for me, it really starts before we even engage with the potential customer. Because I need to I need to understand my business. I need to understand which sort of companies are we targeting. So are we moving into the healthcare sector? I perhaps should make my cloud HIPAA compliant. So it even starts before. And then it goes through the entire life cycle of, 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 the, of that customer. Because companies evolve, companies change, the requirements change, the technology change, people change, everything changes. Well, welcome back to Cloud Talk. Now, the voice you just heard was that of Tomas Honzak. Now, Tomas, well, he is the Chief Information Security Officer for a company called Good Data. Now, as you know, we scour the world over looking for great guests for this podcast. And we found Tomas sitting in his corporate offices in Prague in the Czech Republic. Now, our conversation digs back into all of that around innovation and how Tomas keeps current with innovation, how he builds a culture of innovation within his team and throughout the entire organization. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. Now, make sure that you stick around to the end because, as always, I've got some great information for you out there. And I'll give you a little hint. It's all about the Solve Conference coming up on August 3rd and 4th. It's not that far away. All right, here's the interview with Tomas. The line between application and infrastructure is virtually invisible in these modern apps. The kind of thing that a global computing fabric with immense resilience and scale can deliver without even breaking a sweat. That's really what the promise of the cloud's always been. It's all focused on the business objectives. That's where we craft the plan. In the tech world, we like to celebrate the lone genius, but I'm just going to tell you right now, they're just the convenient face as founders to focus on. Welcome to Cloud Talk. Here's your host, Jeff Deverter. Well, I love it here on Cloud Talk when we have more firsts. Now, we've been doing this for a little over a year now, and uh, and this is the first time I've interviewed anyone live from the Czech Republic. Well, today I am joined by Tomas Hanzek. Now, Tomas works for a company who is uh, a customer of Rackspaces, and uh, and I've gotten to know Tomas as we have uh, had some engagements on our advisory board and, and some areas, but uh, Tomas is the um, chief information and security officer for a company called Good Data. Thomas, welcome to Cloud Talk. Thank you, Jeff. My pleasure to be here with you today. Well, I got to ask, how's the weather in, uh, in, in Czech Republic today? And in, in, in what city are you in? It's Prague? Yeah, it's, it's, it's Prague, the capital city of the Czech Republic. Been living here my whole, whole life. Uh, the weather's getting actually a bit weird. Uh, we had a horrible tornado hitting part of the country just uh, the end of last week so it's been quite a shock not <laughs> something you'll be used to in otherwise mild central european climate that's great it's different well, for you guys in, well, in having the United a, States. A, a bit of a history in in and around brewed beverages like beer uh, the czech republic is quite famous uh, in that regard in the creation uh original creation of lagers of course so so i give up the country has a warm spot uh, or a cool spot in my in my heart. So, very yeah, there is this city called Pilsen, which uh, actually mm-hmm. gave the name to the most famous brand of lagers around the world, Pilsner. So, anyone drinking Pilsner, uh, they are receiving uh, a signature from the Czech Republic. 
Well, it makes me a little bit sad. We're recording this at nine or 10 o'clock, no, nine o'clock in the morning, uh, central time. So uh, maybe we should have recorded in the, in the afternoon and had, uh, had a Pilsner just. It's afternoon over here. So I might as well get a glass. There you exactly. Exactly. Well, you're with a company called Good Data. Why don't we start by learning a little bit more about that company? Because as I've been gotten to know you and done more research, you know, it's a company that is used by an incredible amount of other companies around the world, but you know, not everybody knows who you are. So why don't why don't you tell us a little bit about good data? Yeah, you're absolutely right about that, Jeff, because I mean, more than half of Fortune 500 companies are using good data one way or another. Some of them maybe even without knowing that because uh, well, we at good data, as the name suggests, we believe in data. And we believe that traditional data tools are no longer enough. So we have built what we call a data as a service infrastructure, which is the really the future of analytics. It's real time, it's open, it's secure, it's scalable. We've got a cloud-native platform which allows our customers the flexibility to build and scale any of their data use cases, from self-service and embeddable analytics to machine learning and IoT. See, this is one of the things that fascinates me about the evolution of cloud-based technologies. You know, we are always thinking about the um, the major providers, the hyperscalers, your Amazons and Azures and Googles. And of course, they have tons of different capabilities that exist there. And that grows on, um, on a moment-by-moment basis, it seems. But more and more, we're seeing, I'll call them specialty companies who focus in one specific area. Uh, for instance, good data, focused purely on great data. Yeah, I guess, you know, at one point, uh, you have to make a decision. You have to, you can either build something on your own or you just get a specialist to take care of that for you. And uh, you really, with good data and many similar companies like good data, you get it all in one neat package. So we know how to do the business. We help you how to set it up everything on your side. We teach you how to how to make money on that, how to explain that to your customers. And most important, which is where I come in, how to keep everything secure and compliant with the growing number of uh, security and privacy regu- regulations and laws worldwide. Well, and what a what a perfect time to think about that as well, because with all of the, I call it the mass digitization of everything over the past year and a half, I mean, we were already on a great trajectory to utilizing more and more technology. But of course, the pandemic, uh, you know, forcing everybody home, drove everybody more and more workloads to be more digital workloads, to be more cloud-based, to be, uh, and especially in the data space. And so what we've seen over the past year and a half is an increase in the amount of cyber attacks that have, you know, gone against individual companies as well as even specific areas. So, so in your role, Chief Information Security Officer, you know, what are some of the things that, uh, that, that you think about? Now, it sounds like from what you just said, you know, you're, you're focused on both how do you keep your product secure, but implementations with customers to help make sure that their implementation of your service is as secure and compliant as possible. Yeah, it's really it's really end to end, and uh, you just mentioned the pandemic. We've seen everybody or almost everybody moving from their offices to their homes. So uh, the the increase of the mixture of personal and work life, I mean, 
I don't think it's a picture. It's just one one big one big uh, one big life, one big digital digital identity where you where you have everything. You have your work device, you have your work laptop, you have your uh, work iPhone, you have your personal iPhone. It doesn't really matter. In order to increase, maintain the efficiency, in order to work as comfortably, regardless of the circumstances, everyone just needs to be able to do their job, regardless of the day, time, or the device. So when I look at it from the information security standpoint, I really need to be thinking, thinking holistically. And uh, I mean, the principles are, are, are the same because the human beings are, are the same. It's just that uh, different roles, different companies, different cultures around the world uh, have slightly different needs and different approaches. And it's super important to, to, to consider this because, uh, I mean, as a famous uh, management expert, Peter Drucker said, uh, culture... Eat strategy for breakfast. Yeah. So <laughs> I can I can be I can be coming up with a lot of lot of uh, lot of strategies or suggestions or implement new tools and bring in innovations. But if I don't start by understanding the landscape, my company, my customers, their customers, and the end users, then I I might be investing a lot of time and money, and it will all go into vain. But you bring up a really interesting point, and that is, you know, I think about security and I think of then tools and I start debating you know, in my head. There's a lot that goes on in my head. I start debating, you know, do we, are we are we doing traditional models or is it more of a cloud native approach? And is it, you know, are we using multi-factor? Are we tr- zero trust? And all of this technical stuff starts to bounce around in my head. But what you're talking about also is one of those weakest links and it deals with the individual. So when you think about security, how do you help companies or even your own company think about add security to be a part of the culture? How do you build a security minded culture? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's something which like with any, with any culture or with, Really, really, any topic. You just, you just can't stop doing that. You just can't start thinking that you've done it, that you've won. And uh, it's even more complicated with information security than, for example, with digital transformation or any other activity which the companies are undergoing in order to uh, increase the revenue, uh, build better tools for the customers, uh, make this world a better place to live. The problem with information security is that if you overdo that, you are actually not helping. You might be slowly killing your business. And people will recognize that your management will start working behind you. Uh, The end users will learn how to bypass whatever smart and clever technology you bring in. We all saw it with the pandemic. Companies weren't ready uh, the IT IT teams uh, try to spawn up VPN connections or provide more secure environments, and it didn't work. There was not enough capacity. There was low bandwidth. A lot of people didn't have good enough internet connections at home. So people started to work around that. They started to use uh, their own cloud accounts, personal Dropboxes for document exchange and everything. 
And from the uh, from the from the seat of the chief security officer, it might have seemed like everything is in perfect order, right? Because some people were connecting, some weren't. There were no logs indicated that anything weird is going on. And at the same time, a lot of sensitive data, personal data, trade secrets, confidential information started to appear in places where no one even thought they might appear. And this is the problem with information security, right? If you if you don't know where your data are, if you don't know how they are flowing through your systems, between your employees, between your partners, customers, service providers, authorities, whoever needs to access them, then how, how do you how do you keep them secure, right? Yeah. So you can do two things, really. You can you can you can try and explain this to everyone in your company in a way which is natural and somehow easy to understand. And you just make sure you balance your activities in the right way so that people feel like, okay, whatever the security does, it might not be convenient for us, it might bring some obstacles, but it kind of, you know, makes sense. It's a really good point. Uh, and I think you, you, you call out earlier uh, in, just a second ago, the fact that, you know, there, there's a, there's a balance to be struck between, you know, um, first of all, making sure that you are applying the latest and greatest and staying current in technology, in, in the security uh, associated with the technology, but also you can also overdo it and make things worse. You will cause people to do bad behavior. You will, you will drive people away just because it's too hard to do work. Uh, you may slow down your ability to, to have partnerships. So, you know, how, how do you keep a sense of where you are in that balance as, as CISO for the organization? You just need to be to be present. You just need to be part of the company life. You just you just need to be involved, and you have to build your security organization, your security team in a way that it feels natural for the rest of the company to involve them in anything which is going on, to bring them in, to ask them for guidance, to give them a heads up. Actually, if you were to ask me what was the most challenging part of the pandemic for me, it was exactly this. The lack of the informal conversation, the fact that we stopped meeting people uh, at the coffee machine, uh, random colleagues uh, heading out for lunch. Hey guys, mind if we join you? Yeah. This informal conversation is super important, particularly in a company which tries to uh, keep the mindset of a small, agile, fast-paced company. Yeah. Without this informal conversation, it's super, super hard to maintain this presence. And this is actually what bothered me about the pandemic. That's really interesting because, you know, we think about one of the things I've observed over the past year and a half is that um, a lot of people struggled uh, with the pandemic just because they needed that extra human connection. You know, we're as humans, we are we're designed to really crave and be a part of community. Uh, and I've thought a lot about that from the position of community and, and just the health of individuals and the teams, but not necessarily from the point of all of that extra business intelligence or information that gets shared in those informal contexts. The five minutes before the meeting starts and you chit chat, uh, the coffee, you know, around the coffee maker, like you mentioned, or just heading out to lunch, you know, it's, it's the little tidbits that you pick up along the way. 
that we don't get when we're back to back in Zoom or Teams calls. Exactly, and this is you know this is this is actually what I mean. It's it's almost natural because this is what makes us human beings. All these small interactions, all the small emotions. Now I see you over the video, nodding your head. But imagine how great would it be if we were just sitting in the room together? Yeah, you would literally feel the positive energy between the two of us flowing, not just through the screen, but 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 in person. It's one yeah. of the best feelings you can get when you are with your colleagues in a meeting room, right? So true, Thomas. You know, and you made another point before that I want to run back to really quickly, and that is that you're never done. And we're never done in life, of course, until we're six feet <laughs> in, of course, but but you're never done, especially on the security side. And the mental image that came to mind is is exercising. I get up um, before the rest of the family does to do my morning, you know, exercises and stuff. And it's not like we ever get to a point and go, ah, okay, I'm healthy. I can be done. Because the moment you stop, you just start falling backwards. You know, the, 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 the pants don't fit as well as they used to. And you get a little more winded when you're walking, you know, up a hill. So it's one of those things you have to constantly keep up after. And security, of course, is one of those things as well. So my question for you, as we start to think about innovation in the context of security is how do you stay current? How do you how do you watch the trends? How do you keep up with the new tech and the and the the latest attacks that are going on? How do you do it? A great question. And before I dig into that, you know, I love the comparison, Jeff. I mean, it's it's exactly what it is. It's like the exercising. No one really wants to do that. You need to you need to keep doing that in order to keep in shape, not to put the weight on, to keep yourself healthy. You might uh, skip on it. From time to time, but if you if you if you drop from the circle, you will just you will just lag behind. Yeah, it's exactly the same with information security and security culture. I mean, I would be probably the richest person <laughs> on this world if I if I knew uh, what to do in order to keep uh, myself and everybody current to understand what's going on out there. It's really a combination of understanding your company, yeah. the business, the culture, who, who your employees are, how big the company is, where are your offices? I mean, we've got offices in, in San Francisco, California. We've got engineering here in the Czech Republic. Uh, we've got, uh, we've got a, a team of engineers, very skilled ones, helping us from Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Three different cultures within the same company. Ah. And then there is the world, there is the internet, the attackers, the international political dynamics. Remember, not Petra Ransomware? I mean, it was originally an attack from one country to another country. And the collateral damage was global. Yep. It's like the globalization. So you just, and then of course, you've got your work to do. You are the head of information security and compliance. Yeah. You need to be making sure that your team delivers, that the business moves forward, that you understand the business goals. And in the meantime, you just try and follow follow the, follow the media, participate in communities. I'm a member of, um, of ISACA, one of the greatest organizations when it comes to IT governance and information security. I try to help uh, smaller startups based in the Czech Republic. And it's a win-win because uh, they they get some expertise yeah. and I learn, I learn, I need to, I need to, I need to continue learning. And yep. every time, 
every single second I feel like I'm learning, then I'm also helping the company. Yeah. And, you know, for those who, um, you know, here at Rackspace, we, as we, as we have our, our different employees, we use what's called strengths finders. And that just helps us, you know, that's, it's a, it's a thing uh, that Gartner puts out, not Gartner, uh, Gallup puts out. And uh, it says that everybody has, I think it's 36, there are 36 and eight strengths and everybody has some degree of them, but the ones at the top of, of, of yours, uh, of your list are the ones that just come naturally to you. One of the things I would think this falls true for you at Rackspace, one of the most common strengths across all employees is the strength learner. And, uh, you know, for a technology company, what, what could be better than uh, a group of people who want to always be learning? And I'll tell you, I even get to a point and it's in my top five. Uh, I get to a point that I almost feel guilty sometimes when I stopped, you know, I go play a game with my son or I watch a movie. I was like, I could be reading something. I could be learning something. And, and the problem is I also have a, a strength called activator. And so when you combine learner and activator, that, I want to sit and read half an article and then I want to go do it. Uh, and so it makes it very hard to sit still, um, which is great for my role as well. But, um, but it, it does make it challenging. But I love the th- idea that you are contributing and helping with a startup because um, that just gives you a window into, you know, a whole new different technology, a new group of individuals uh, and exposes you to areas that you might not normally in your in your day to day. And also, you know, by giving them advice, by teaching them, by coaching the, their emerging security professionals, security managers. I actually have to, I have to focus. I have to, I have to sort the things out in my head so that I can, I can pass them to those younger colleagues in a way which is easy to understand and comprehensible and reasonably complete so that they can, they can succeed. And again, this helps me become a better professional. Maybe on the way I figure out something about my own company, about my own team. Someone asked me a question and I can compare that to a situation I had uh, on my last staff meeting, for example. Yeah. And suddenly there is this, oh, wow, Eureka moment. That's really interesting. And, uh, and I, I would think that especially working with a, a smaller company, you can, as you advise them, you can, um, you can make, help them make changes quicker than you can, say, in a company as large as the one that you're working with. Uh, so you sort of have a place to test things before you bring it back to the, the big ship. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it really works this way, though, because uh, those smaller companies are typically in a stage. My company was eight years ago when I joined. Yeah. So it's more like looking back to my past, realizing and recognizing the mistakes I made on the way <laughs> and the learnings, <laughs> the, the experiences I, I gained. And yep. uh, all this experience, I can... I can send it back. I can give it give it back to the community. I can follow those who, who taught me, who kept inspiring me. And there are still a lot of people out there, which which I admire, colleagues in the Czech ISACA chapter, other security professionals, uh, people, people in good data, people on my own staff, people in other companies. When I talk to security professionals from our customers who are doing the due diligence, Everything is one big learning experience, like everything in life. And I really believe that as long as you consider everything, you go through a possible learning experience, you can keep growing. 
Yeah. And that can be, that can be hard. You already mentioned, you know, when you, you're looking back and, you know, we all have failures of some degree or another and the things that we attempt and, you know, those can be, um, they can be debilitating at points, especially depending on the size of the failure. But if we're, the more mature we are, the more we can then, and especially as there's a little bit of an air gap between the incident and, and your, your retrospective, you know, that's, it's as much a learning experience as cracking open a book or, you know, reading a new article. Yeah. Well, you know, at one point, everyone needs to needs to realize that there is no way you can protect your company 100%. Right. There will always be all kinds of security, security issues and incidents, some of them smaller, some of them larger. Sometimes it's a human mistake. Sometimes it's a technology failure. Sometimes it's a combination of, 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 of more factors. Yep. The idea is that you should be building your resiliency. You need to make sure that any incident doesn't hit you stronger than necessary, that you have the ways how to how to how to identify it, isolate it, recover and learn from that to the extent it's possible. Yeah. And you know, and being transparent as much as you can be with your employees about it. Uh, you know, there's some, you know, depending on how the compliance fits into it, there's only so much in, in different areas you can you can reveal uh, based on incidents. But it does create an opportunity to say, hey, look, this happened. This is what we learned from it. Turns out we weren't exercising correctly. And, uh, and you know, the, there's, a, there's a muscle group we needed to go back to. I'm going back to the, our, our, our exercising analogy. But, uh, you know, you just, you, you fix it and you move on. Uh, it's part of how you learn. But you brought up, you brought up, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, while, while you do that, you know, while you, while you explain what happened and uh, help your colleagues brainstorm and figure out how to, how to recover and how to prevent that, you need to assume full responsibility. Yeah. Because ultimately, whatever bad happens in the information security or security compliance or privacy compliance area, it's, it's my mistake. Yeah. I'm the boss. I'm, I'm the head of security. Yeah. So I don't, I can't start blaming a, that guy didn't follow the policy. Uh, that guy over there clicked. I mean, he, he shouldn't. It's not right. It gets hard too, because, you know, in a traditional team, when there's a win, you can always say, all right, team, you get the credit. Let's, let's celebrate the win. And then when there's the, the bad mm-hmm. thing happens as the leader, you, you take that on um, uh, that responsibility. But in security, oftentimes you don't find the win because you just, that you stopped the bad guy from doing the bad thing and nobody knew. Uh, so the wins can be harder to to come by. So how do you find a way? How do you find ways to to celebrate? You know, with the team to encourage them on. Oh, I do. I do. Imagine, uh, imagine there is a large financial company, one of the largest ones, and they do a security review and due diligence and do hundreds of questions, ask for all kinds of network security diagrams do a penetration test and then they would come back and said, okay, guys, so you need to fix this, this and this, but otherwise you've passed. Wow. That's a win to me. You know? That's a total win. I've just, a total win. I just, I just helped the company bring in a major new customer, yeah. a lot of new business. 
It's a great win. Isn't it interesting, too, how much more, you know, security is one of those things for the life of IT that was a net, I call it a necessary evil. One of those things you just sort of had to do. Um, and then it became a checkbox where a company would come along and say, all right, do you at least meet these minimum standards for us to do business? Because there's some feature that that our company can can benefit from. But now, more than ever, security is actually showing up in the marketing material. It's actually a draw in bringing companies into to utilizing services because of the security. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, none of those approaches you mentioned is the correct one, actually. <laughs> the correct one would be that the security professionals from my company would be sitting with security professionals from my customer talking about a shared responsibility model. And mm. you guys at Rickspace need exactly the same as, as, as I do that. How to draw the how to draw the line? Who's responsible yeah. for what? How is the entire solution supposed to supposed to work and be protected? That's a really good point because there it it's it's security is one of those things you can't just say is somebody else's responsibility. It is a shared responsibility, even out to the end employees. You know, we have as a as just a, a consumer of IT inside of Rackspace, I have responsibilities to make sure that I don't expose the company. And that goes all the way back up then to what you're talking about. And that's you know, partner relationships as you have like with good company working with Rackspace, we figure out where, you know, where, where our shared responsibilities are and where, you know, each of us has our own place to play. Yeah. And this was, this was much easier back in the traditional days where you have this data center and uh, you knew where the hardware is and who, who plugs which cable in and why. And uh, I mean, to some extent, it still, it still works for us when we work with Xpace on building and expanding our private cloud data centers, which is something a lot of those large customers, large enterprises still still appreciate and actually, actually require. But imagine a situation where good data uh, gets embedded into a solution, which is part of another solution. And yeah. there are data flows between end client systems and our customers and our data center, and then there is CPNs, making sure that everyone understands who's responsible for what, how the individual parts are secured? Is it compliant with the company security standards? It's a big task. It's a huge task. And, um, you know, we talked earlier about, about culture inside of individual companies. But now when you start stringing together these partnerships like that, you know, the culture of the individual companies well, that becomes really important too, because you're working so closely together in those shared models that, um, that that culture really plays into it. And you've got these teams that while you're crossing company and organizational boundaries, you're still working together as, as groups. So now it's down to, again, how do you foster the right level of communication and innovation to ensure that not only are you secure, but do you have a stronger product in the end? Yeah, and this is this this is this is probably the, the the toughest part of of what I try to what I try to achieve because I mean you know how it goes. Yes. The two companies uh, start to talk about the partnership, and there are business discussions. What the value added, what the timeline, what the price gonna look like, and then uh, shortly before the leaders shake hands, the legal and risk teams from both sides starts to interact 
Yeah. And they start to they start to discuss everything. Indemnifications, liabilities, data transfer terms, security requirements, uh, privacy legislation. I mean, you name it. Uh, it sounds legalese. It's probably somewhere there. Yeah. And it's it's not incorrect. It's super important because yeah. for me, this is an input into, okay, so... Okay, so this is what the guys are. This is how they feel about their data. This is what they are worried about. But then the contracts are signed, uh, the legal guys shake hands and move, move move behind the scenes again, and the implementation teams come together. Yeah. And chances are they don't have a clue. They don't have a clue. They just want to get the job done. So yeah. again, it's about me and my team having the visibility in my company so that people understand, okay, it makes sense to bring in to bring in Tamash and the team also to the implementation. And maybe in this case, we are just plugging our dashboards into the customer solution. So that's easy peasy and no risk at all. But maybe for this guy, we are building a new custom proxy. There will be some new code on the back end, new APIs. So perhaps we should do a penetration test on that before we release that to the customer. And this is the kind of uh, cooperation and collaboration and mutual understanding, which if I have it, then I know that, okay, I still probably end up doing a lot of mistakes, leaving there uh, some vulnerable spots every now and then. You cannot secure everything. But at least, you know, I've done my homework. I tried, I tried as much as I could. And if I'm lucky and I have a decent partner, they will do the test from their side as well. Yeah. And they would ask me, okay, why this Why this looks like this? Care to explain? And then we can sit together with the implementation team and talk through that. And then we agree upon, okay, we have achieved what both parties consider an acceptable level of security risk. Yeah. Well, you know, what you're, what you're really bringing up here is the fact that, uh, and it's a great reminder for everyone, and that is security is not a checkbox. Security is not uh, a feature that's just sort of there uh, as part of it. Um, security is one; it's everyone's responsibility, and two, it is it requires you know a first class seat at that at the table of implementation and even pre implementation, where you're understanding the nuances of how you're working with this partner company. Um, as somebody might be working with good data, for instance, or somebody's working with Rackspace or whatever the partner may be, security has to be considered from the front side and not an afterthought like a lot of people would consider and you called out, hey, it's time to get legal involved to look at the contract. Oh, maybe security should be should be flagged as well. We got to start that way earlier in the conversation. Yeah. It's an ongoing process which really starts. And I mean, for me, it really starts before we even engage with the potential customer. Because yeah. I need to I need to understand my business. I need to understand which sort of companies are we targeting. Yeah. So are we moving into the healthcare sector? I perhaps should make my cloud HIPAA compliant. Mm. If I don't do that, well, someone will show up and ask, okay, guys, how about HIPAA? Sorry, we don't, we don't have that yet. Well, then... Well, we're sorry, but hey, guys, what have you been thinking? Yeah, yeah. So it even starts before, and then it goes through the entire life cycle of of, of, the, of that customer because companies evolve, companies change, their requirements change, the technology change, people change, everything changes. When another point you're you're kind of hinting around, and is we've been doing a lot of research lately and discussions around customer experience of working with another company, and when you think specifically about 
Well, here's a data company. Oh, now here's specifically security as part of that data company. You know, you as the leader has to think about, well, what is my customer's experience, not just with with good data, but with the security aspects of it. So as you're going through those implementations to continually be refining how companies do business with you, how your teams work together so that that experience just gets better and better, less friction, uh, more cooperation, and of course, in your context, more security. Exactly. That's a great point. And again, it's about keeping in touch with everybody involved. Yeah. Learning the feedback soliciting it formally and informally you know making sure you yeah you take the time to pause and, and and think thomas this isn't the first conversation and it always still kind of shocks me is whenever i have these technical conversations it just always comes back to are you talking to the to your partner are you talking to your customer how are you how are you guys getting along um and, and it oftentimes just goes back to communication it goes back to soft skills and, uh, and that can so often be a barrier to a great customer experience. And in your context, a barrier to better security. I agree. Hey, let me ask you a question. We're, gonna t- we're getting towards the end here. And it's one I've been asking a lot lately um, as a security guy. And you can answer this in the context of security or not. Actually, I have two questions. The first is, what tech are you excited about in 2021? Could be something personal, could be something for work. But what technology... Uh, is is capturing your attention in, uh, this year? <laughs> yeah, right now I just I just bought my very first AirTag, so I'm, I'm I'm super super excited about trying it out on the way to vacation to see how can it check my check my luggage. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. I'll be anxious to hear how that experience goes. Yeah. Hey, and then uh, lastly, as we think about, you know, you're very accomplished in what you've done in your career. You're the chief information security officer for a global company. Uh, somebody who's interested in security, how can they, what are their first steps as they start down their road uh, to, to a career in security? What advice might you have for them? They need to, they need to be willing to, willing to learn. They need to be of course, they have to have some affinity for, for technology. Yeah. It's impossible to do information security, or maybe not fully impossible, but in order to have a decent career, you just have to, you just, you, you just have to, not to be afraid of computers, just to, just to put it, put it like that. So you like computers, you are interested in information security. So you just go and, and, and start learning, start gaining, gaining the baby steps. Yeah. Security like any other discipline is about people technology processes so yep well, Tomas, this has been a, a great conversation. Thank you so much for uh, for being on Cloud Talk today and I'd love to have you back uh, in the future for another chat. Sure. Thanks for having me, Jeff. This has been Cloud Talk. You can find Cloud Talk wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And be sure to check out more content from Rackspace Solve at solve.rackspace.com. Well, and there you go, a CISO's approach for how to stay current, how to innovate, and how to grow innovation in his own teams. Great stuff. Thanks, Tomas, for being a part of the program. 
Well, folks, we're just one week away from the Rackspace Solve Conference. That's right. On August 3rd and 4th, as I've been telling you for weeks now, we are having our Solve Conference. Now, on the 3rd, it's pre-day. There's all sorts of great education that's going to happen there that has to do with uh, security awareness, security training through an exercise called Hack the Box, as well as some great information from our own Rackspace Six Sigma, as well as dealing with situations and creative thinking. Now on the fourth, well, that's the main session day, a day intended for uh, technologists, intended for the CXO community, as well as just anybody inside of the business. There really is something for everyone in your organization and all of this for free. If you'll just head over to rackspace.com slash solve slash conference, you'll be able to register for your free ticket and be able to share that then and get more from your different workers in your organization. We'd love to have you there. It's going to be the virtual conference event of the year. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of Clown Talk. I hope you're enjoying your summer, getting some time away. Just know that we're continuing to turn out one of these episodes every week. So if you're not subscribed, head over to wherever you find your podcasts and subscribe. Maybe even leave us one of those five-star reviews. Thanks. We'll see you next week. I'm Jeff Diverter for Clown Talk.